Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. It's been all over the news lately. A so-called evangelical church in San Francisco has opened the door to homosexual marriage and will not call homosexual practice a sin. As longtime listeners might imagine, the SPIN team has something to say about that. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to download a free MP3 from the Alliance. So, Carl and Amy, both of you are well-known authors. You write books. People know you. People read your books. You can Google your names and you come up with books. And as I was searching some things on Amazon, uh, just this morning, I, I found a few things that I thought were really uh, interesting. Uh, Carl, your book, your newest book, Luther on the Christian Life, of which I have yet to receive a complimentary copy, by the way, and just as an aside, I don't pay for Carl Truman books. Carl Truman is a friend. I don't pay for a friend's book. So I'm just, I'm still waiting. That said, um, I went to the Amazon page, clicked on Luther on the Christian Life, and as a part of a recommended reading connected to Luther on the Christian Life by the Reverend Dr. Carl Truman was a link to a whole series, I kid you not, of Amish romance novels. <laughs> and it was a beautiful thing. You know, things like uh, the tilted quilt, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, a whole series of Amish romance novels connected to Carl Truman's Luther on the Christian Life. What do you think the source of that is, Carl? I, I, I have no idea, Todd. All I know is I know that I've been big in Lancaster County for, for some time now. So <laughs> they they it love you well in be my could well be my Steve Nichols connection, I yeah, think. Exactly. Uh, me in there. Yeah. Well, there, there's another thing, not just a single Carl out, but our own Amy Bird, who herself is an author. Um, there was a, a particular review of her book by somebody who apparently did not um, care for it, let us say. And here's what this particular reviewer said on Amazon, quote, if you think submission and subordination are the same thing, this book is for you. However, if you are a woman who thinks for herself and cares at all about your identity being more than Mrs. Whatever, do not read this, are you ready for it, hunk of crap, end quote. <laughs> I told my wife not to use the C word when she wrote that review. <laughs> Um, so Amy, you know, how do you, how do you feel about that particular uh, review? Well, How's your self-esteem? would, you know, probably have a much easier life if that were true. But um, <laughs> I did notice that this woman also gave a, a rhinestone studded elastic belt five stars. <laughs> yeah, she gave my book one star. <laughs> so congratulations to the two of you. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're moving up in the world. So, yes. uh. Uh, so, so that's a good thing. Well, uh, not to uh, to come in with too ham-handed of a of a transition, but uh, a lot of us have been hearing and have probably already read the news about uh, City Church in San Francisco, at one time considered one of the largest evangelical churches in uh, the San Francisco area. Uh, originally a PCA church, they moved several years ago to the RCA um, because they wanted to embrace uh, uh, women office holders, and now they have just released a letter 
saying that they're going to be an open and affirming church in regard to uh, homosexuality. And this has been uh, making the rounds, of course. Uh, Carl and Amy, uh, you, along with I, have, have, along with me, have read the, the, the letter from their pastoral leadership. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? There's a lot to think about it, but what comes to mind? Well, one of the first things that they bring up, point one, is that God is bringing LGBT Christians through the doors of city church. Mm-hmm. And so that just made me ask, well, does God bring people through the church doors who are okay? Right. Like, is that a reason to then accept a sinful lifestyle? What is the church's responsibility? What if God's bringing through your doors people who are um, having major addictions to heroin? Right. Do you reconsider the church's stance on, on heroin? Right. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I would say is one would want to rejoice that uh, lesbian and gay people are being brought through the doors of a church. That's, that's a right. great thing. But we don't want to have people coming through the door, as she said, and being left where they are and, and who they are. Uh, those people who come to church and are simply affirmed in their pre-church identity, we might say, are being shortchanged. Mm-hmm. The gospel is meant to be transformative. The gospel is meant to confront people in their sin and bring them to repentance and faith. Now, that may look different for different people depending on the issue they bring. But certainly, the last thing the church wants to do, the least loving thing a church can do to anybody coming through the doors is tell them they're simply okay with with what they have been thus far. Right. And and that's at the heart of, of the capitulation here at City Church and others like them. Um, the bottom line is they simply reject what the Bible clearly says about homosexuality being a sin. And in the letter, um, he references a particular book, and, and uh, City Church is clearly cited um, with, uh, with that very small uh, voice um, that says that the Bible uh, does not uh, reject uh, homosexuality as a sin, but only things like yeah. pederasty, etc. Et yeah. and, and this is clearly outside of the consensus of, of biblical scholarship in the history of the church. It's not a minority voice or even a small majority voice among biblical scholars who understand that the Bible clearly prohibits homosexuality in, in, in all of its expressions. Um, Richard Hayes, who's at Duke University, world-renowned biblical scholar and no champion of fundamentalism, nevertheless is very clear. He, he's, he, a number of years ago, he wrote an excellent book called The Moral Vision of the New Testament, and he makes this statement. He says, the only paradigms offered by the New Testament for homosexual behavior are the emphatically negative. The New Testament offers no accounts of homosexual Christians, tells no stories of same-sex lovers, ventures no metaphors that place a positive construal on homosexual relations. And he's right. Right, and the, the explanation that they give in this letter to the congregation isn't so much um, a biblical explanation, but it's, it's a bit more practical, and I would say a little vague. Um, their second point is the pa- their pastoral practice of practicing lifelong celibacy was causing obvious harm and has not led to human flourishing. Mm-hmm. So that kind of begs the question, what's human flourishing? Right. Well, certainly what they've done is ignored much of the, the medical research on right. homosexuality. There are significant health risks 
involved in in homosexual practice uh, i'd recommend that uh, listeners get hold of robert r riley's book making gay okay it's robert riley i think is a roman catholic the book is published by ignatius press but there is an excellent chapter uh, in this book on the lessons from biology relative to homosexual practice and uh, i would i won't quote the statistics but i'm going to quote his conclusion here uh, Talking about homosexual practice, he says this, Why then are there no warning labels? Where are the skulls and crossbones? How is it that there can be warning labels on cigarettes and alcohol, on almost every package of food, health alerts for the level of air pollution, mandatory use of seatbelts in cars, and yet no cautionary admonitions regarding homosexual practices? Why are we counseled to change our dietary habits if we tend toward obesity because of the health hazards it presents, but not asked to modify our behavior if we engage in his term sodomy, which yeah. can be far more lethal? Yeah. And I think the, you know, the answer to that question, of course, is no lobby groups. Right. Mm. The lobby groups on the gay issue are all going the one way. They have a monopoly of the rhetoric. They have a monopoly of the political ear. They have a monopoly of pop culture. That's why the scientific evidence is only ever selectively cited in order to establish what is the desired emerging political consensus. Right. And people would do well to do just a little bit of research into the health risks of homosexual behavior because they are significant. These poor souls are literally ruining their bodies and uh, uh, ending their lives quite short. In fact, uh, the lifespan for the average homosexual is quite a bit shorter than a heterosexual. And it's not because they aren't accepted. It's because they're literally destroying their bodies. But you will not hear that narrative uh, spoken of in polite society. But people would do well to look into it because uh, if we're going to talk about human flourishing, as you mentioned, uh, Amy, then we have to talk about things like, doesn't that entail things like reproduction and fruitfulness right. as well right. as health, basic health concerns? Mm -hmm. And so how loving is it for a pastor to give a benediction to behavior that is literally destroying these men physically? Right. And then they say that lifelong celibacy is causing obvious harm. Well, what does that say then to the, the heterosexual community of singles Single. in the church? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes no sense. Well, well, they have no lobby group either. <laughs> they have no. Right. F forgive the rather poor pun here, but heterosexual singleness and celibacy isn't sexy. It isn't yeah. sexy. Yeah. It has no lobby group. It has no people screaming and shouting at it because heterosexual singles are not a persecuted minority. Right, right. The, the health hazards connected to homosexual behavior, that's one of those truths that dare not speak its name, uh, even though it's, it's highly significant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's interesting, uh, in, in this letter that they sent out, uh, and, and this is part of the problem here, they, they address uh, the nature of the gospel as they understand it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the letter says this, as a board, we have been asking the central question, what does the gospel require? At the heart of the gospel are these questions. Now, remember, he's saying at the heart of the gospel are these questions. And, and here it is, who belongs to Christ's body and how do they belong? Certainly, these are important questions. No one would disagree with that. But, but, but he goes on and he says this, we believe the thrust and the focus of the gospel is the breaking down of former boundaries of exclusion. Now, certainly, the gospel reflects those things. I just preached yesterday through uh, 
Acts chapter 11 and the breaking down of boundary between Jewish Christian and, and Gentile Christian. That's huge. But wouldn't we say that at the heart of the gospel that has something to do with sin and atonement <laughs> and, and regeneration and, and salvation? So these are, these are interesting things because <clears throat> in, in their explanation of the gospel, what is screamingly mm-hmm. silent is the notion of atonement, forgiveness right. of sin, mm-hmm. justification, sanctification. And the language is interesting there because there's a sense in which what seems to have happened is the language of the new perspective has mm. been picked up Absolutely. and used to express the concerns of modern identity politics. Right. Mm. It's interesting to me that, that le- some leading new perspective scholars, uh, N.T. Wright, Richard Hayes, you've cited already, mm-hmm. Scott McKnight, these, are, these men are, they're no slouches on their exegesis. Right. And they don't see any basis in the New Testament for the kind of inclusion that's being articulated by City Church San Francisco. Yeah, I think exactly. the bottom line is what we have here is specious talk about the Bible really mm-hmm. covering capitulation to or, or perhaps positive affirmation of modern identity politics. Right. right. And, and it's interesting. They're calling for, and, and this is where I find a great deal of, um, uh, dare I say, dishonesty in this letter. Uh, because what they're saying is, hey, it's fine if you disagree. We're just in this for the dialogue. <laughs> the problem is they've staked out a clear position. Yeah. Right. That they yeah. act as if we don't have to, to draw lines on this. Yeah. We don't have to divide over this. But that's exactly what they've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's a classic quotation. As a church that is 18 years old with a diversity of opinion on everything, uh, I believe we can do this. Well, I'd like to say to this pastor, if you have a diversity of opinion on everything, you're not a church. You're not a church. Right. Whatever else you are, you're not are a your church. your confessions. Yeah, exactly. either, either that, you are misspeaking there, and there right. isn't diversity of opinion on everything, or you're not a church. Exactly. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, that is a specious statement mm-hmm. that has a feel of positive lovingness about it, and either means something terrible or means nothing at all. <laughs> Right. And, and I would suggest that anybody who's a part of a church where the pastoral leadership says, we have a diversity of opinion on everything, <laughs> you need to get out of that church. You just need to get out of this church. And can I just say this as a PCA pastor? City Church began, it was planted by the PCA, and a lot of resources were poured into that church from the PCA. Men and women who gave of their money to see churches planted by our denomination in, in, a, in one of the most expensive areas in the country, a place that needs a good, strong, evangelical, reformed voice. So we planted this church, it grew, and then the pastor uh, led it out of the PCA because his opinions changed on women office holders. Instead of relinquishing his credentials and Mm -hmm. resigning from that PCA church, which is what he should have done, he led that whole church out of the denomination. I think that was a lack of integrity. Yeah. And I I think what we see here is probably... I think it's a cloud bigger than the size of a man's hand. What we're seeing in City Church San Francisco is going to be happening all over the country. We're coming to a point in time where the cultural pressure is so great and the cost of remaining solid on this issue will be so great that more and more churches will find ways of spinning this, compromising, collapsing on precisely this point. As soon as you allow uh, the LGBTQ lobby to monopolize the rhetoric of victimhood, flourishing, safety, you've lost the language Mm. to express 
reasonable dissent from that community. And I think many evangelical churches and institutions have already reached that point. They don't know that in selling out the rhetoric, they've long-term sold out the position at this point. Mm. So I look at uh, City Church San Francisco, and on one level, I applaud them. They're being honest, and I think we're going to see a lot more honesty like this coming in the next few years. And we will be surprised and shocked. It's always the way you're surprised and shocked at those who will stand and some of those who won't stand firm on this issue. So, ending on a rather depressing note there, this episode of Mortification of Spin Bully Pulpit, but we would recommend that you go to uh, the website of City Church San Francisco, look at the letter there, and I think you will see a foreshadowing of what awaits many churches in the next five to ten years. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll check out our website, mortificationofspin.org, and we look forward to being with you next time. I can go anyway Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Make sure to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download Pagan Sexuality by Peter Jones. Next week, the gang finds themselves in the middle of a book-burning party. We're burning everything that I don't personally uh, agree with, and that even includes a few books that Carl has written. Find out why next week. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to download your free MP3. Are there any other negative reviews of Amy's book that we could do maybe a dramatic <laughs> reading of? Wasn't that of? fantastic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't use your crack. word. They I mean, used my word against me. contextualize so you'd understand mm-hmm. it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's horrible.